listeners, this is Dr. Taylor Hartman. You're back with season two now of Very Best of Living. I'm with my colleague, Kat. Hi, Kat. We got a season two. Season two. That's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's always nice to have something, a new season, and we're proud of season one, and now we're going to season two. Yes, I know. The great feedback to all of our listeners, wonderful, wonderful feedback that you've given to us how this is helpful in your lives and what we can do for you going into season two sounds very exciting as well. Mm-hmm. So welcome back, Kat. Thank you. How have you been? I have been very busy, but good. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah. Good. It, it's kind of fun. I'm getting to a point where I keep thinking now, when can I work less and do I really want to? It's interesting <laughs> dynamic going on in my life, but it is what it is. I do enjoy working with people like I do, as you know. Um, you know, the scary thing is, is that it's like, I think you say that it's like, okay, I just, I, I just want to work less. I want to work less. And then you have three days in a row when the phone's not ringing and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Don't you think that I'm happens? Actually, I'm actually very happy when my phone doesn't ring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is interesting. I was talking to a, a man the other day who is very red and he just has to be productive. Yeah. Not productive. He's not happy. And, and I'm thinking, mm, I don't really have to be productive. Yeah. I have you to, have to be engaged, right? I have to be engaged, but not necessarily productive. <laughs> um, and and I, I, I thought how interesting that is because it's really a curse and a blessing to him. He is older as well, but he can't really stop. He just doesn't gain anything from it, doesn't enjoy it, mm. likes to be creating and making things happen, mm-hmm. which I think I respect tremendously and I value that. And that's typical of red, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a yellow, yeah, I'm very like, that was a great run. <laughs> Enjoyed every minute of it. Okay, now let's but what, try something different. Well, here's something different. And I'm sorry, it is going to have to be productive because I just read an article that they are going to be putting pickleball into the Olympics. So you have a goal. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Are you yes. kidding? Well, I, my goal <laughs> is to watch it, not to play. <laughs> You are truly not red. I so hear it. No, no, I am not red. I really am not. You know what's funny about that? I I love when I hear new sports are brought into the Olympics. A new phenomenon has happened. Yes. And we're embracing that. I think that's, I mean, if we can do curling, certainly we can do pickleball. So that, I saw not that I bought, not, <laughs> not that I'm that's sport. That's sport. No, I love it. Actually, it's like so precision in that, but it's like, all the curlers, the gold medal, there was a meme and it was a gold medal Olympic team standing around that little, yeah. whatever they call it. The <laughs> I can't remember the thing they throw, what they I call it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll get you know mail about this. Um, yeah. but, um, but it was like your dad's standing in the garage, you know, after, you know, their, their team lost. Um, cause they're all yeah. standing there and they all look like dads. They've got like, you know, these little cute, little, yeah. I mean, they're just so cute and they just like, <laughs> you know, beards and long hair and stand in there. I mean, and they're, you know, they're not obviously fit, fit, fit. Cause they don't have to No, yeah. no, but they're, they're like so a speed good skater. at detail. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Just makes the you detail laugh. They do. It's amazing. Oh, it really is. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So we had the Olympics and it was an incredible thing. I'm, I'm uh, always impressed with people and the commitment they make to years of their life yes. for those split-second moments. Oh, um, gosh. Amazing phenomenon. And we also have some other frightening work that's going on in the world, uh, the war in Ukraine. Yep. The very tragic reality of watching people's lives destroyed and set off course because of one man's arrogance. 
and bully a mindset that he has. And, you know, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to do a tell a story. Okay. So for those of you that like stories at bedtime, now's probably a good time to get into your bed. I'm going to tell you a story. But I really want us to have a conversation about how you see your role in relationships in life. So this story is called Alligator River, and it's been around for years, and it's still one of my favorites. So I'm going to tell you about the players. If you're sitting with a piece of paper in front of you, you can jot down Mm -hmm. kind of a visual of it as well. Okay. There are five players in this story. It's called Alligator River because there's a river and there are alligators in it. So you can't swim across it. And there's a bridge. But there was a recent storm. So it flooded the bridge and it broke apart. And so now you can't get across unless you take a boat. So Abigail is madly in love with Gregory. And she wants so badly to be with him and see him. And so she's trying to find ways to make this happen. And she knows there's a man called Sinbad who owns a boat. And she could get across the river with his boat. So she goes to Sinbad and she says, will you take me across the river so I can see my boyfriend? And he says, of course, it will cost you. You'll have to have sex with me. She goes, well, that doesn't sound sound like that doesn't feel good to me. I I don't want to do that. So I'm going to go to Ivan, who's a very good friend of mine, and ask him if he can help me. And he's on the right side of the river where she is. And so she goes to Ivan, and Ivan says, well, I'm sorry, here's a problem for you, but it's not my problem. So good luck. Do what you have to do, I guess, but uh, it's not my issue. So she goes back to Sinbad. She has sex with him, goes across the river. She sees Gregory, and Gregory is just so upset of what she's done. And he wants nothing to do with her. So he dismisses her. And she goes to a local bar on that side of the river now. And the the guy working there is called Slug. And she tells Slug how horrible it has been because of what Gregory did to her. So Slug goes and finds Gregory and beats him up for her. And as the story ends, Abigail is feeling good about some of the revenge she received by seeing Slug beat Gregory up. So which of those players is most disgusting to you and which one is most palatable? Which one is most okay with you and which one is most not okay is the question I'm asking. So you have Sinbad, you have Sinbad who like he required something, you know, of this girl mm-hmm. and, and he took her sexually to get her across the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was up front told her what he was going to do, what she'd expect from him if he did it. He was not willing to do it as a favor. Um, so you can kind of look at that whole dynamic. You see Ivan, who was refusing to be involved, refusing to help, refusing to make someone else's issue his issue, mm-hmm. isolated. You see Abigail, who's deeply in love, wants to be with someone who's very makes an effort to go over and be with him, makes a choice, and in the consequence gets rejected by mm-hmm. her lover. And then she's kind of happy about the revenge she gets at the end, seeing him get beat up. Mm -hmm. And you have Gregory, who makes a decision based on her choices that he's not interested in her. He's disgusted with her behavior and therefore dismisses her as a person. And then you see Slug, who isn't involved and becomes involved and beats Gregory up as a way of appealing to Abigail's pain. So think about that for a minute. Uh, in, In life. 
all of us have pieces of all of those players and some of us more than others. I've often been fascinated by this exercise when you ask people, which one was the most uncomfortable for you? Which player? So for me, it's ironically Ivan. He's the one I don't get the most. I don't understand why somebody wouldn't help somebody else. It doesn't even make sense to me. It's not in my, my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And others are like, well, but he's kind of a non-entity. He didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't get involved. Why is that a problem? Of all those players, he's the hardest one for you? So I think it's kind of fun for people to think, well, which one is hardest for you? What would you say, Kat, for you? Well, I think it's probably Abigail because I I think that somebody who says, <laughs> this is funny you're asking this question. Somebody who says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I'll do anything, and then switches so dramatically. Like that shouldn't be part mm. of her if her motive was ah, clean. Yeah. You know, if, if she was true to who she was, I would think, right. I don't know. That just doesn't seem like, seems more hurtful. So her behavior like, at the end did not resonate with you at all. I, mean, I don't like the revenge thing. Yeah. That's, that's the good. most distasteful for me. So, just for our listeners, I just want you to know that that in life, we all make choices and we all kind of select paths that we walk. And I think we ought to all think about like, okay, so what path am I walking? And to your point, Kat, if our motives are dirty, mm-hmm. what damage does that cause to other players in our life? And this can be taken on so many different levels. For example, in a marriage, if somebody is unfaithful and the damage that does to their spouse and to themselves, right, along the way. In a, a parenting situation, when you just prefer boys to girls, and they know that, and they have less value because they are girls, mm-hmm. uh, or boys have more value because they're boys, those kinds of things, or when there's abuse. I've had so many people share with me over the years how, like a parent, mostly it was a father, are just absent. They just don't pay attention. They're not involved in their child's mm-hmm. life. And then you have those that are aggressively abusive, whether it's sexually, emotionally, physically, hurting someone and causing them such grief in life as to what value must I have if my parent felt that way about me. Mm-hmm. So the roles that we play in, in relationships that way. And then I go to business. And as you know, I do a lot of business consulting and it is a very tricky environment. It's easier in some ways because it's not family. And it's not friends, it's business. On the other hand, it is what your source of income is and often your passion for living, like where your meaning comes from, Mm -hmm. making a difference, not just receiving an income. And so, you know, if you're living in a situation there where somebody is an Ivan who just does not get involved, doesn't care to help you or the organization, if you have a Sinbad who's going to give only if he gets got to be always the terms of, I'm, I got to get something out of this or I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have vengeful people like Abigail or self-righteous people like Gregory mm-hmm. or, you know, bullies like Slug, how do they play out in the business world uh, in, a, in a very critical way? And what role do you play in doing that? It's interesting when I'm working with teams of people and there's a leader and one of the people on the team is acting out the leader will not take this person on. Those who are members of the team are so frustrated because they don't have the right to take that person on. Only the leader owns that. Now, they can be empowered to say things, 
challenge things, but ultimately the call lies with the leader. So some people say to me, why is it, why do you expect so much more of a manager than a member of the team? And I'm like, well, inherent in their responsibility is a higher calling. Like they have more responsibility, just like a parent has more responsibility than a child to care for and, and engage the people on the team. So I think we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, so what role am I playing there? Like in my family, yeah, I'm always intrigued by when siblings say, well, it, yeah, he or she is an issue, but they're my, my brother or sister. I don't really, I mean, my parents' job, not mine. And others who are like, no, it's my brother or sister. Of course I'm engaged. What can I do about that? So I think it's good for our listeners to think about what is your role that you're playing in the relationships of your life? And which ones are most palatable and which ones are least palatable to you? And what are you doing about that? It takes me to what's happening in Ukraine, Kat. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm deeply disturbed. I have no connections to Ukraine necessarily, personally. But to, to believe or to see people being treated and taken advantage of by an individual who is just out for self-aggrandizement, want it to become perhaps the Russia of old or whatever the reason might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about the individual lives that are being destroyed. The kids that are orphans, mm. uh, like now, because of this dynamic that's happening. And then I think about the world stage. Like, what is our role in the process? And I, I think that some are doing phenomenal humanitarian things. And I wonder about other leaders that, that are not bold enough to speak up and challenge him for their own interest. Uh, they're, they're more like Sinbad. Like, I'll give, but I, I got to get something back. And if I'm not going to get back, I'm not going to give. Mm-hmm. Um, just very, very frightening kind of phenomena. And I think in terms of personality, some of us have more of a, an attack orientation. I can't sit back. I, I would be, I mean, if I were there, I would be one of the people working against the Russian army. I just could not not do it. It's not in right. me to, right. to do that. And then others that are like, well, that's not going to help. Like, that's gonna, what's that going to do, right? How's it going to help people? So what are your thoughts on that? What do you think you think of that? Well, absolutely. As you're talking, one thing I, I want to know is, is like when you're looking at a bully situation right mm-hmm. here is, to me, there's a, a lot of dynamic that comes around it. You can get involved in all of the you know, the, the politics around and the sanctions and the NATO and the Article 5. I mean, there's so much you know, you know, airspace, there's so many details of all of this, but you boiled it down really beautifully is that it's like, this guy is a bully. And, yep. and what are we going to do about it? I mean, you can start talking talk politics, but that doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really help me as the average, you know, average Josephine USA, you know, person sitting here going, well, what can I do? Right. Right. What I want to say right. is, is like watching the Ukraine people has moved me to like, I mean, the president of the Ukraine who is put on, you know, holding a gun, put on the flak jacket, gone to the, the front lines. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, and yes. I saw, I saw yes. a, a thing right. this morning there, the top rock star of in the Ukraine. I can't recall his name, uh-huh. but he's, he's same way. He's got on, you know, the military gear, he's carrying a gun. He's walking with everybody through this place that got bombed and he's singing at the top of his lungs, this Ukraine, you know, uh, um, national anthem. Yeah. National anthem. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, it's bold and they're courageous. Yeah. You're right about that. What, what yes. creates that in people? Like the sense of we have 
we have courage. We will stand for those things we believe in. We're not going to be bullied and taken down. That's so impressive. I, especially when you look at the massive strength of Russia and that really they're not getting the support from other countries, right? No. Um, to protect them. And yet they will not just roll over. I think it surprised even Russia, to be honest with you. I think about in, in our daily life, like when do we show courage? How do mm-hmm. we show courage? And what are we willing to do to stand for those things that we believe are important and right versus passing the buck, turning our, our head, not paying attention? Because it doesn't necessarily impact us today. It's often been believed, by the way, that if you ignore something today, you'll have to look at it tomorrow and you'll be on a weaker uh, setting to do so. Mm-hmm. So whatever you're seeing going on, not acting on it, you will then pay a price for that on not your time, but their time. So I do think it's important for us to look at that. Well, I do too, because I don't think this is a, you know, to me, it's been a couple of decades of, um, (laughs) you know, of failures and some missteps in terms of, you know, presidential administrations to get people like Putin in place. Right. And here's what I feel like. We isolate ourselves from these kind of things because we're in America, right? So yeah, it's like, oh, it right. happens over there. It doesn't happen here. And and I look at it and I think, I don't know how I feel if that would happen on our soil. I mean, I think I think people would wake up and go, oh yeah, I'm I'm fighting. I mean, that's my hope. Yes. That's what I would do. Yes. You know? Yes. I, I think I, you're I, right. I, I would hope. But I do think we get this weird kind of like isolation of, you know, um, oh, we'll send prayers and we're thinking about it, but it's over there. And I don't right. know if I'm right. I just kind of feel that way. And I keep wondering about that. I mean, do you feel that way? Do you do you sense that? Yeah, I do. I, I do think that we are detached in that sense. I do. And I do. When you hear the stories of people that are not detached, like they do have loved ones there. It's not a minor issue to them. They're, they're just the angst is horrendous. And I do think you're right about that, that we would probably stand up if we're here too. Same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are those that wouldn't, I suppose, but generally people fight for things they believe in. And that's why I'm always intrigued by those who don't, those who allow people to bully, those who allow themselves to be uh, mowed down and don't stand their ground. So you might ask yourself, like, like, what is driving your courage today? And what courage do you show in what form? When you see mm-hmm. somebody, for example, that's bullying someone, taking advantage of them, abusing them, how do you engage such that you can protect and help that individual? And I will be honest with you, I, I would love everybody to win at the end of the day, but I'm not willing to let the bully win at the expense of other people. That's nope. where I stand. That's the, that's the line for me. So, I mean, when you see someone in the family that's taking advantage of somebody else and you see someone at work that is t- doing damage and being allowed to get away with it, it does something about you allowing that to go on instead of confronting it and challenging it. I will, it, it's interesting. Bullies are so insecure. I mean, yes. it's, it's just one of the sad realities about life. And yet they would rather say they're not insecure. They can't even own why they're doing something. But psychologically, you cannot bully if you are secure. You cannot. It's not possible. You only will bully if you're insecure. So that's just a given. So when mm-hmm. everyone tries to justify being, I'm secure, but I'm doing this because it's in the best interest of the person I'm bullying, that is hogwash. The person who is bullying 
in any way, like you're you're mocking somebody, uh, you're alienating somebody, holding, making somebody not be involved or invited into something. All of that's bullying, and it's all based on insecurity every single time. So the only way to rise up against it, of course, is to be secure enough to say your insecurity does not define me. It will not determine how I will respond. And I think that's why bullies are so stunned when someone actually stops because they're not used to that. They're not used to somebody saying, you don't define me because you're insecure. That doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. You don't No, I define me. Well, you just said something really interesting as you're talking. I'm thinking about, you know, it's kind of clicking as you're talking, but you know, I have to define me first before I can even take a stand. Just like it's hard for the United States to speak out against when there's an assault on democracy because we have a hard time, you know, making one voice, you know, understanding ourselves here on basic issues, yeah. much less being able to go, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're not even, a, but you're making a great point. Like, if I don't have my voice and I don't stand in my truth and my voice and know, what I'm speaking, then it's very easy for a bully to, I mean, and bullies are good at that. They're good at vetting out that weakness. Right. They read it so well. They read it so well. That's a good point. How defined are we? And then, of course, you're speaking about America. Like, if we're not unified, it makes mm-hmm. our voices weak, even weaker, right? But, but it is true that start by defining, like, what are you about? What do you stand for? Yes. And know that in human history, there will always be bullies. There will always be insecure people trying to compensate by putting someone else down. I had a very interesting client. I was so interested the other day. She admitted to me, I don't like the spiral I'm in. I actually see myself liking seeing other people struggle because I feel better about me. She goes, I'm so disgusted by that, but it's true. And I thought, what a great insight. She at least was willing to start the process of Mm self-awareness. That was just the beginning of her growth that she could see that she's not doing well in her life. And she actually enjoyed seeing other struggles so she could feel better. She goes, I know it's wrong. I don't feel good about it, but it's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to what we're going to talk about in our next week, which is self-awareness. Like, can you really see yourself for who you are? Or do you have so many guards up that you're blinded? Don't see it accurately. What you think is going on is not the truth because you've deluded yourself. So, Self-awareness is, you know, it's the bottom line for emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Probably the thing we have least of in the Western culture is self-awareness. And it's because oh, really? we are, yeah, we're not taught to look inward. We're taught just to get things done, take action and blame. It's somebody else. We're victims. Uh, it wouldn't happen if I hadn't had this done to me. That kind of, we don't own the response. We own the what the event. So things happen and we let that define us instead of saying, no, 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 I can respond totally differently. And that's on me. So that awareness is a big piece of what we're going to talk about. I'd like to, when, you know, when we get back together, I'd, I'd like to know, or maybe now just answer it, what you think the origins of that are. What is the origins of what you just said? Why do, why do we not, you know, that self-awareness, which is, well, it was done to you. So why do you think that happens to us here in the, I mean, is it a U.S. thing? Well, it's a Western for sure. Western, Western culture right? is far less self-aware than Eastern culture. Right. So there's, they have more of a mindset of looking inside. What is your ownership? Now, they're not perfect at it any more than anyone else is, but they are much better at looking and assessing the inside. And by the way, 
The only way that you can do that is be quiet. That's the only way you could possibly, that's just the beginning. Be quiet and still be stupid. But if you're quiet and internally focused, you can begin the process of awareness. And they teach that better in the East than we do in the West. We're much more you know, proactive, get things done, take care of business, uh, which is great, but it misses the element of, and why am I doing this? And what is it really doing for me? Uh, what motive? Like, what is that about? And I'll be honest with you, Kat, it, it disturbs me how many people live lives so superficially. They never actually even identify why they went the route they went in the first place, why they don't have a voice, why they justified inappropriate behavior. They're not even owning that piece of it. Well, isn't that so just... next time... Okay, good. Yes, next time. Next time that's <laughs> on the list, we'll start with it. No, that's what we're going to start with. Excellent. So... Welcome back, everybody. We're happy to have season two started, and um, I'm I'm very unhappy we're in the middle of a war. Yeah. I don't like that at all, but I also want to talk about what that feels like internally in our relationships that we do have relationships about. Like, mm-hmm. are we? what role do we play in those? Next week, we'll talk about self-awareness. Okay, Kat, thanks again, as always. Thanks to our listeners. Bye for now. Thanks, Taylor. Bye-bye. Hey, Color Code family, it's Kathy Larson. I want you to take down a number. I want you to put this in your contact list under the people code. The number is 385-526-2350. Again, 385-526-2350. Text the word VIP to that number and you'll get back from us a request for your name and your email. That way we'll be in touch with you on anything that's happening at the People Code, any offerings, exciting things that are coming up. And you can let us know what your needs are by texting us at that number. Look forward to staying connected even more. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.